Hi, it's Colin Sprake and I'm super excited because I've just done an amazing show with Ryan. And you know what? When you hear what's on the show coming up, you'll be amazed. It is nuggets you probably never heard before. If you're a speaker, make sure you listen in because they're going to be super, super awesome. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. All right, and we are back, and I am super excited because we have Colin Sprake from Make Your Mark Training and Consulting. And I've had a short conversation with Colin, and it was short enough to make sure that I got him on the World of Speakers podcast so everyone could meet him, learn what he's doing, because it's amazing. Colin, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when people are listening. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome. It's my pleasure to be on the show and to serve and uh, share what I can share today just to help uh, help the listeners out there and help your audience. And that's really what it's all about is serving. And uh, I know that's a big core part of what you're doing, which is great. So before we really get into how you serve, let's talk about why you're serving and where this all started. You know, Tell us a little bit about your backstory so people understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. And I think you know, a lot of people don't realize that you know, they always see you successful and they go, it must have always been that way. Right. And you know, I, I share this with people all the time. I'm like a 14-year overnight success story. It's just been a very long <laughs> night. And you know, it's one of those things for me. So my whole background is you know, very simply is I was severely bullied as a child and as a young teen from you know, having severe problems with my feet and walking with special boots and all that kind of stuff. And that got, I got severely bullied because of that. And I decided, you know, at the age of 14, life needed to change. I attempted to take my life twice mm. at the age of uh, 12. And uh, thank God I, was, I wasn't successful at that in my life. And uh, it really made me happy not to be successful at that. And, <laughs> but it was, I, I was very, I was down in, in a real sad situation. And I thought there was never a way out of it. And then I met a gentleman by the name of uh, John Kehoe, super nice guy, international best-selling author, what have you. And John, I got to meet him in South Africa. And when I met John, I just saw an opportunity and I said, you know, and he teaches mindset training and what have you. And I was like, I need to get myself sorted out because, you know, these people are in control of my happiness. And if I'm letting people control me, then I'm going to live to what they want me to live to. And I decided at the age of 14 to really go on a journey that I, I never believed I'd be where I am today now training and helping other people do the same. But the big thing for me was I was down and out and I decided that there was time to make a difference in my own life, get myself on track. And, you know, I got back into my own business, went back and went back to doing amazing things, started another business when I was 18 and sold that when I was 21 and really got myself back on track. And it was just a mind, a mind shift change that really got me there. At the same time, I looked at, you know, I've, and I've lived this philosophy, I think ever since I was born, is when you serve others, the universe gives you so much more to be abundant with. So for me, I just I went out and I said, how do I serve other people? So every business I've ever run has been in service to my clients to make their lives more complete with their, whatever product or service that I'm delivering. And when I know when they are achieving more, more abundance, more in their relationships at home or whatever, because of the products or service we deliver, then that to me is why I'm on this planet. I live by the statement, 
When you focus on money, you'll have dollars to count. When you focus on people, you'll have countless dollars. And that to me is where it all comes back to is just focusing on people and being of service. And when for those listeners out there, when you do that, that's when life really becomes meaningful. When you go out and serve others to a higher level, not think about how do I make a whole bunch of profit today. Think about how many people are you going to serve today. And the money comes anyways. Yeah, it's a very much a, a mission before the commission kind of mindset. Hundred percent, you know, and it's. I think a lot of people don't think that way. I thought, you know, if you look at the biggest corporations in the world right now, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, to mention a few of them, and Google is another one. Is they all started out? They all started out with a purpose, and then they monetized. You know, Facebook simply we're going to make communication on campus easier between students. They didn't go out and say, how do we become a billion-dollar company? Right. Everything started out with a purpose, and then they monetized. I find. Sadly, for most speakers, most uh, small business owners, most entrepreneurs, their number one thing is when they get out of bed in the morning is how do I make more money? And that's not of being of, in service to people. That's being, you know, really being focused on how do I get more money out of people rather than how do I really serve these people to higher place? Because the money becomes abundant thereafter, I can tell you that. Now, do you think it's a cultural phenomenon where people are are seeing the success of people and they're not realizing it's a 14-year road to success and that this Shark Tank culture and this, you know, highlighting super young entrepreneurs and, and highlighting the people that make it. Do you think it's a real cultural shift that has happened that we're facing right now? I'm not sure if it's a cultural shift that's happening. I think that I'm saying, in fact, to be honest, I love watching Shark Tank. I'm not a big fan of some of the stuff that happens on Shark Tank. Right. The way some people get treated or the way they get told that their idea is, is not going to do well or the idea is going to fall over or or they should just give it up and go back and get a job or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of some of the way they treat people on, on Shark Tank. I enjoy the show. I enjoy the, the success that some people get from the show. But I can tell you one thing. To me, the, the, I've watched it and you watch the updates on many of the, of the uh, Shark Tank shows. It fascinates me. The updates are normally the heart-centered sharks that are continuing to be more and more successful. Hmm. So I think there's, you know, as much as there's TV, you know, really good, uh, what do you call it, uh, Live entertainment for people, I think that's it's interesting to watch on TV. But for me, I watch the success of the people from the show, and it really is the ones that are heart-centered that go out and do a lot of great work. Now, I'm not saying the other ones aren't successful. They wouldn't be on the show if they, if they weren't successful. Right. The challenging part for me is, is that I think the world is shifting, and it's shifting hugely to very being, being more conscious-based business and what have you as well. And you know, I've just been invited in this past week to join what they call the B-team, with uh, Sir Richard Branson, and it's all conscious-based business owners doing things differently around the world. And they invited me to be on their actual managing committee for the B team. And B team means, well, plan A is you know profits before people. Plan B is doing it differently, putting people before profits in every way and form. And that's what you know, the B team is all about, is looking for a plan B in this world instead of being so focused on this plan A of how can I make more money over the people. Wow. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So in your path, uh, you know, being bullied and having that sort of bring you to the lowest low and then finding somebody to help you with the mindset, I was bullied as well. And a lot of who I am today is a result of overcoming that. And I think a lot of people experience that. Was that process a determining factor in this mentality you have about service first? And did that tie in with the company you started at 18? I'm curious to know maybe a short story of, of that business you started and then sold a few years later. You know, I think, wow, for me, I maybe enhanced it. I've always been this way. I mean, I started a business at the age of nine as well. 
and uh, I got into that did, you know, as a small little business. And it's just been who, who I am as a human being. I always like to do good for people. I always like people to benefit from what I'm doing. And if they benefit, I'll benefit. And so I've always looked at that as being a huge part of service. So when I got into my own business at the age of 18, I mean, I remember doing crazy stuff at the age of 18. I mean, I was running a cabinet making company. I'm a qualified carpenter. And I went out and I started this cabinet making company and I had these local workers in South Africa working for me and they were average person that I was earning, I don't know, maybe $15 a day. It, you know, it's, you're paying the wages of what South Africa is. And so I paid them the, the 15 bucks a day and if they'd made zero errors on the manufacturing side for me because we're making cabinets for one of our big uh, chain stores in South Africa, these big stereo cabinets. And if they made if there zero errors on the manufacturing line that day, in terms of having to do rework, then I'd double their wage for the day. I'd pay them 30 bucks for the day. Wow. And i never forget my dad saying to me, son, you, you cannot do that. You're screwing up the wage market. And I said to him, no, 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 no. I'm raising the standards of the wage market to be more focused on ownership and quality than focused on, let me just get this job done. And it doesn't matter how I get the job done. And these workers became so, they were so loyal to me. They were so amazed. Like, like Colin, you treat us with respect. And I said, every human being needs to be treated with respect. I don't care if you're the person that's lying on the street with a hat because some, you've had some unfortunate stuff go on in your life or what have you, or you're a CEO of another company. For me, every person should be treated with respect. And sadly, I don't see that a lot in the world in, you know, in many ways. So for me, when I got into that business, I was all the stuff going through my head was how can I be respectful in every way to the workers that work for me and the, the laborers that work for me. And you know what? I've lived this every part of my life, even in my current company, you know, someone's car breaks down and they and I know that they're living, you know, you know, paycheck to paycheck in some ways. Great. Then I'll just grab my checkbook out, write out a, a check and buy them a new transmission or buy them a new engine for their car or what have you. You know, it's about doing good for people. It's not just how much money do you have? It's, how many great things did you do today? Because I can tell you when I sit down, when I go to bed at night and I put my head on the pillow, I'm always thinking about what great things did I do for people today? And not from a place of ego, but from a place of it just feels so darn good as you go to sleep to think about the lives you've touched that day. And sometimes it's just giving someone a smile. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, mad respect to that. And I think we can all smile more. And you know, the clarification of it not coming from an ego perspective, but coming from really just a genuine want to help people one of the things that I see as a common thread through speakers or people who want to get out there and share their message is at the core of this service mentality. And how for you has your ability to speak and publicly speak and communicate been a tool for creating that value and creating that service? How much have you leveraged your ability to be on stage and communicate as part of this journey that you're going on? Yeah, I mean, I think every every person listening to this should be a speaker. I think in any, any way, in some way or form. I mean, we're on stages every single day. Whether you're in a stage sitting at a, across the table in a coffee shop from somebody, or you're sitting, you know, in a standing in a boardroom doing a presentation. Every single person's on stage. We're on stage every day. When we wake up and get out of bed, we're on stage. Even when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we're on stage. Right. And you know, when I and I started when I first launched the current business I'm in. I was doing so much one-on-one -on -one work and what have you. And I was like, yeah, I really want to change this world. I mean, one of my, my greatest goals in, my, in life is to reduce the divorce rate in the world. I want everyone to have a similar relationship that I have, like I have with my wife. And so I said, well, you know what? If I want to really change the world and you know, reduce the divorce rate and reduce the number of failing businesses, doing a one-on-one -on -one just is not the best way of doing things. So 
I then said, well, let me go and start being on stages, uh, created my own stage, created my own model for business, got on that stage. And you know what? It's been the best thing for me. We, we change thousands and thousands of lives, if not tens of thousands of lives every single year. And my goal is eventually to change a million lives a year within the next 10 years. So for me, it's really, it's been of, you know, for all those people listening to the show, it's understand that, yes, you can do it one-on-one. You might say, I love doing one-on-one, but when you get out there and you really serve people and you say, I really want to help more people, doesn't matter if you're doing it one-on-one or one-on-many, or you have, if you have, you have people working on your team with you that do all the work for you. And it's, you know, I have a very good friend who's a practitioner, registered massage therapist and he was like Colin I want to always do being doing massage I want to help people through massage therapy and he really impacted me one day and he said and and you know what I realized when I have more massage therapists working for me all of a sudden you know instead of me working one-on-one I have now 40 massage therapists working for me and guess what throughout the course of a week instead of me maybe seeing five patients a day and that's 25 patients a week I'm now between our whole team we're seeing close to a thousand patients a week. Wow. And, you know, that's where things really, really change, you know. And he said, now I'm serving a thousand people a week. Now I'm doing what I want to do. I'm living to my passion of serving more people. I don't have to do it all myself. And that's where the speaking did so much for me because now as we, uh, we serve hundreds and hundreds of people every single month where if I was doing this all one-on-one, number one, yeah, we have other coaches working for me and they could be working one-on-one as well. Yeah, but to get to a million people, you probably need, you know, probably 250,000 coaches to do that. Right. I just love the the model of being on stage and being of service to people and using leverage. And it really is, it's a, to me, the greatest form. And people think, you know, it's the greatest form of leverage. And people think, well, yeah, but don't you lose the quality of what you do? I don't think you lose the quality. I think it depends how devoted you are to being of service to people and not just thinking about how to make more money from it. Yeah, that concept of using the stage as an amplification tool for whatever you're doing to just create that much more impact. Absolutely. So I want to get into some of the ways that you help impact people. And I'm assuming that you're helping them to hone in on their own ability to serve. And for this point of conversation, really specifically, how would you give advice or tactics or specific modes for people to take what they want to serve and spread it on stage, like some tactical ways that you help people improve their ability to amplify their message on stage. What kind of advice would you give people? Yeah, you'll probably laugh when you hear me say some of this stuff, but a lot of people have said to me, you know, Colin, it's all all about being authentic on stage. And you know what? I'm not even a fan of the word authentic because I think that you can authentically be inauthentic, which is a con artist. And, (laughs) you know, so... Now, for me, the two key words I live by around being on stage and really serving more people is, and the two words are real, be real and be vulnerable. And, you know, when you're real and vulnerable and it's not scripted and it's not so rigid and structured that you can just be yourself on stage, I think that's where that leverage truly shows up. I mean, I have, yes, I have some structure, some outlines of what I do at my different events that I do. But the key thing is, in between that structure, there's a certain amount of fluidity that you can just flow with everything, be real, be vulnerable, really do things on stage to 
serve people. And, and I never stop thinking while I'm on stage, I've never stopped thinking, what are the people in the seats? What are they thinking about right now? Is this message dropping in the way it should drop in? Are they getting clear on what I'm saying? Are they with me? I never stop thinking that on stage. And if I feel that they're not with me or they've lost the message or what have you, then I rewind a little bit and I go back and I keep on saying, how do I just make sure these people get the message? Because once they get this and it lands correctly, that's when you get amazing results. The sad part is I've seen from many, many people, I've been in many, many audiences myself, people have a this, this script that they have to go through and whether people keep up or not in the audience, they don't really care, you know, because they just focus on getting the message out. No, it's about, I'd rather get across two or three phenomenal points in absolute detail, strategies or um, processes in absolute detail that people go, wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Colin, as opposed to going through 10 or 20 points that are just nonstop and people don't get any depth in anything other than just a, you know, a real surface or superficial look at things. I'm a big fan of digging deep into stuff, but making sure it really lands for the audience. I think that's the key things for me is like, does, is my message landing, number one? And am I being real and vulnerable as I convey that message? And am I prepared to rewind if I have to, to make sure the people in the audience are really getting it? Well, I love the fact that you are steering away from the, the buzzword of authentic and authenticity because that is thrown around a lot. But I want to unpack these two things, the being real and the being vulnerable. So from a tactical standpoint, it seems counterintuitive that there would be tactics to be real. But what are maybe the top three pieces of advice for people to tap into what is their own reality, right? Some actual things, whether it's before stage, on stage, to tap into being real and staying away from the scripted. How would you guide people into that process? So, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I think that number one, just be you in terms of, yes, you can go and learn how to be great on stage and go and do some train the trainer courses or what have you that are out there. There's lots of them out there. I mean, I run my own program as well. And I run a program purely on vulnerability, realness, and, and putting humor into presentations. But the key thing is, I think, is just being yourself to start off with. And when you go out and you get training from other people, don't become indoctrinated with the way they say you should be to be on stage to be successful. You know, when I first got trained, many people said to me, oh, Colin, you know, and, and, and I do sell from stage, but I, I hard sell, not hard sell from stage. So when I first got into this industry, people said to me, Colin, there's only certain ways to do things. Like, you know, you have to create real urgency and people have to run to the back of the room and people have to sign up immediately. And if you don't you know, put a five-minute time slot on it, people won't take that, you know, people will take their time, they won't sign up and you'll never get the, the uh, conversions that you want to get. And I was like, but that doesn't suit me. I just don't like doing that to people. I believe and for all the listeners out there, understand this, that people buy you in the first five or 10 minutes of being on stage. And then after that, you either raise it up or you F it up. But, I didn't say the words. You either raise it up or F it up in terms of as you continue to go. So people buy you in the first 10 minutes. So do you have to sell hard? Do you have to do things? Yes, you have to create some urgency around pricing or what have you to get the conversions you want. But you don't have to do it in this crazy, you've got 10 minutes, run to the back of the room. If you don't get to the back of the room in the next 10 minutes, you're not going to get that. I don't agree with that. So I decided to change everything in that whole in, in my business from all the stuff I learned. So my number one thing is just be real. When you want to be real, be real to you first. If you're not real to yourself or vulnerable to yourself, how can you be real and vulnerable on stage? So and that's a, a really big one for me. So I really looked at what I was doing, I went out and I restructured my program. I said, if I really believe that people buy me in the first five or 10 minutes, then I'm just going to keep on 
going. I allow people, when, when people want to join my program, they can take a registration form home, come back the next day, chat about it. And people are like, you're crazy. You, might, you probably don't get the conversions. You probably don't get the sales you're looking for. And I'm like, no. In fact, I get sales that stick. And that's what f- fascinates me where people get these, you know, create this urgency and people run to the back of the room and they might get, you know, 50% of the audience making a purchase, but then afterwards, 50 to 60% of the people drop out of their programs because there was this urgency or this crazy excitement and they get caught up in that excitement. I don't want that. I want people to make the right decision when they become part of a program. So for me, it's it's just really, you know, that's, what, that's my one tactic on really being real is be real to yourself and understand that you need to be understanding that first and then be on stage. And, and any other tactics I have, wow, I'm just thinking of any tactics I would have around that. You know, it's just, I've been like this all my life. I just get up on stage and I just do what I need to do. Yeah, but see, but, but the problem is not everybody's as natural at that maybe as you, right? So here's maybe, what do you do before you take the stage? Because I think that's something where people are really missing that gap. What is your ritual before you get on? Do you do breathing exercises? Do you do jumping jacks, a handstand? Do you spin around in circles? What does that look like for you to kind of prepare you for that first five minutes, which is the most important? You know, I get into, I mean, my, it starts up in my room. Typically, I'm in a hotel where I'm going to go on stage, you know, that morning and what have you. If I'm a local, and then I'll be in my own home. And I do a visualization. I lie in bed. I visualize myself on stage. I can feel in my heart that I'm there to serve. So I just do this visualization. What I can see the audience in front of me. I can see them fully engaged. I can visualize myself on stage serving them. I can feel my absolute connection with, between myself and them. And then I go to the, so I do that visualization. I normally spend, you know, maybe you know, five or 10 minutes just doing that when I first wake up in the morning to make sure I'm going to go serve for the day. And if I'm in a three-day event, I'll do that all three days. Huh. And at the same time, then I go to the event and at the event, I will set intentions with our team. So the people that are there to maybe volunteer or our team from the office that are with me, We'll stand in a circle and we'll set intentions for the students in the audience that day. And that's typically about half an hour before we open the doors for the event. And we all set intentions, our team sets intentions as well. And then before the event actually starts, before the five minutes before going on stage, I just take it really calm. I go back to my visualization that I did that you know, morning in bed and I just go back to it and I go, I'm here to serve. And for me, I was God's guidance to make sure that I do what is required to make sure that these people that are coming in today, that are putting their trust in me, that they're going to get what they're looking for. And I do that and I'm, I'm quiet. I don't have anyone into anyone having discussions with me. I won't talk to anyone, you know, for the first five, you know, but that five minutes prior to go on stage. And then I go up on stage and it's not all of a sudden this new personality comes out and I'm jumping up and down and going crazy and dancing or whatever. I go up super calm get the audience engaged and start to serve and just keep on saying. And those words go through my head. I don't know how many times throughout a course of a day, you know, every time I'm there, am I here to serve? So that's my ritual. I mean, it's not a very complex ritual. I don't do jumping jacks or run around the room and high five 50 people <laughs> or anything like that. Right. Each person to their own. Though. I mean, this works for me and I'm just, I like to be super grounded when I hit the stage so that the people there can feel how grounded I am and that I'm truly there wanting the best for them, you know, not the best for me, but wanting the best for them. When they get what they want, I know that I'm serving and that's when everything becomes awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. All right. So let's unpack for a few minutes, vulnerability. And again, it it sounds counterintuitive to help people with tactics on how to be vulnerable, right? 
But what are some guidelines or, or how do you help people understand to go through that process? Because for someone who just hears be vulnerable on stage, that could mean a number of things. So how would you classify or define that for someone who is basically saying, yeah, I understand being vulnerable is good, but how do I do it? So yeah, that's a great question. And for me, the biggest part is, you know, I watch other people out there and I say, be vulnerable. They're like, what, what does that mean? So, and I say, well, get up on stage and really let people know some of your story and not the rags to riches. I mean, there's so many rag to riches story out there that drives me up the beanpole, to be honest. You know, of all these people that are like, oh yeah, I was so broke. And then I became super wealthy by being a speaker. And that's what I've done. Most people are so sick and tired of those presentations and they work for some. But for me, that vulnerability is getting up on stage and letting people know that you've messed up as you've grown. And like you've had, like I've said to people, I've had businesses I had to shut down that didn't work out. You know, if I'm a business coach and I'm telling you everything I've ever done is absolutely successful, I'm a liar and I expect you to run from me because you know what? We have to have the biggest learning we have is during some of the most challenging times. So it's good for people to know that you've been through challenging times. So I get up on stage, I read out my story. I actually read out my why of why I do what I do. You know, and if you understand my why, I love watching the underdog succeed in all situations. Why? Because of my bullying. So when I get up on stage and there's so many small business owners that are just battling their buns off just to make a few bucks and what have you, just to get their businesses off the ground, you know, I love to watch them suddenly go from zero to hero where all of a sudden they're making $100,000 a month and they never, ever thought that was possible. You know, they were thought, well, just having $100,000 a year business would be great. And suddenly now they're making $100,000 a month. So that vulnerability comes from telling your story. When I get up on stage too, I will tell stories. You know, that's why I say it's being real. I'll get on stage at an event. I know I've got an event coming up here in January where I get up on stage in Jan and I will just then open up and tell people about stuff that's been happening in my office. So maybe there's been some challenges in my office or, you know, certain things are happening. So maybe some great successes we've had with clients or what have you. And I will or even a, a challenge with a client that we had and, and what came from it. You know, that vulnerability, I think it's also transparency. People want you to be transparent. Be to Tell them that you, you have messed up. You do have challenges. You're just as human as they are that you, you've experienced this not just challenges, but you've experienced some like life growing stuff. You might've had a lawsuit against you or what have you. People just want to know that, you know, they don't, sometimes they want to put you on the stage and see you as, a, as this king or this God or what have you. I think that's slowly coming down, you know, going away and people just want to know that you're human and the people just want to know that you, know, you were prepared to share stories with them because you know that those stories help them because it gives them hope. For me, when people walk into my events and they see three, 400 people sitting in a room, they're like, wow, this guy is so super successful. I tell the story. I say to them, let me tell you, when I first started out doing seminars, I had four people in the room. You know, they're like, what? I said, absolutely. Like you have to start somewhere. And you go, what? If those four people paid $99 each and my room rental for the day was 500 bucks. And they're like, <laughs> well, you were negative 100. I said, that's a whole thing. I was negative 100 before I started. But you know what? I knew and I went out and I served those people. I had fun with those people. We laughed. We did whatever. I ran the handouts. I did the music. I did everything. Just you know, all the people I have around me now, I was doing all their jobs because it was a small event. But I knew my purpose was to keep on building. And I knew from there I'd get to 50 people, 100, 150, and keep on growing. And 
that realness, that vulnerability of letting people know that, you know what, it wasn't always this way. When you're on stage and you want to take people on a journey with you to the promised land, you've got to let them know to get to that promised land wasn't easy for you because otherwise they think it's, it's impossible. They think it's like, I'll never be like this guy. I'll never be like that guy on stage. I'll never be successful like he or she is. No, just let them know that what it took to get there, where your challenges were, all that kind of stuff. And that's where life changes. So just be you, be open, use stories that you, you know, I use stories. I mean, I go to Richard, I was just um, with Richard on his private island in uh, British Virgin Islands, came back and I use some of the stories from there on stage immediately. And then I've, you know, I'm out with Jack Canfield and next thing I'm chatting with Jack, you know, Jack about a certain situation and I bring that story back to main stage. And people are like, Colin, you share stuff from stage that is so meaningful and so real that it's not just these stories that you've only keep certain stories from stage. I use stories all the time from what happened in my life, my business, my fitness, my health, everything. And you know what? Hearing all of that, it really makes me think to what you said earlier, which is really sums up, I think, your speaking tips is not selling hard, but selling heart. And I think that's what you said. I couldn't really tell with the accent, but I think you said, I'm, I'm not selling hard or hard selling, I'm heart selling. Is that correct? 100% is. And selling with heart, just doing good for people. Well, let's talk about, you know, there's this amazing ability to help people and to create this goodness and to serve. But at the same time, you've got to go from negative 100 to filling the room with 300 to 400 people to be able to amplify the message and continue to scale for you to get up to a million people a year. So let's transition to some tactics on how people can fill the room with three to 400 people, how they can you know, monetize the message so that they can focus on the mission as well as receiving the commission, right? So how do you personally monetize your message? It sounds like through you know, workshops and business growth and, and your business, but for a, somebody who has a startup or has a vision, how do you help them? monetize it so that they can focus on the mission and not just be so stuck on the commission side of things. Absolutely. And I think that's the key thing is, you know, so when I first started out, you know, I was selling individual courses. I got taught different ways to do things and sell individual programs. And then I realized, you know what, I need to create an amazing system. So I created a system of courses and programs that people come in and they join me either for 12 months, 18 or 24 months. And that system is very structured, very organized. And I know that that system, when people plug into it, especially for the two years, they plug in, they come out way more successful after the two years. So that's what I looked at. And I said, you know what? Let me create a system. And, I, and I, that's one thing I would recommend for all the speakers out there. And, you know, this is for entrepreneurs as well. If you don't sell a system, then what are you selling? You know, most people are so busy selling the journey. They didn't, you, know, not, you sell the outcome and then you take people on a journey with you. So, you know, that's the most important thing for me. So for those speakers out there, what journey are you taking people on? But remember, always sell the outcome first. And then the big thing for me, and of course, yes, do I sell from stage? I do. I love selling from stage. I love helping people from stage. And you know what? Like I said earlier, it doesn't matter what stage you're on, whether you're sitting across the table from someone in their office or on stage in front of a thousand people, it's still selling. And a lot of people think you are know, selling from stage is there's something wrong with. I don't think there's anything wrong with it when you know what you are selling is doing amazing good for people. It's not just there to see some some people see the audiences as credit cards and like that's all they see the people they see 
there are people sitting there as a credit card. I see people there. In fact, even the way I talk about our events, we don't put butts in seats. We put hearts in seats. You know, I don't. I think butts in seats is so derogatory. And, you know, so we, we think about it differently. And the way we, and, you know, you ask the question of how do we fill our events? You know, one of my, my most, the most amazing strategies, of course, you can use Facebook. Yes, I use Facebook. I spend whatever, a million to a million and a half dollars a year just on Facebook ads. That's one way of doing it. And some of you, your listeners right now might be going, oh my goodness, I haven't got a million and a half dollars. I started by getting rid of, <laughs> you know, getting rid of my uh, Starbucks habit where you're spending five bucks a day on buying that Starbucks coffee or whatever, or some habit that you have every day. There's no really getting you no return on investment. The key thing is I said, let me get rid of that. And I started spending like 150 bucks a month on Facebook ads. Mm. And then I started getting results and getting results. And then I just kept on growing it. As the return grew, I kept on putting more and more money in. Now, if I had my way, I would probably spend $5 million a year on Facebook ads. I just, our finance department holds me back from spending more, but there's so much opportunity. <laughs> That's one way of doing it. That's a paid way of doing it. The unpaid way of doing it is look at your database of clients that you already have. That's my favorite thing to do. So you look at your database of clients and you say, what industries are those clients in? Especially if they're entrepreneurs or business owners, even if they big corporates, you know, and the only thing you have to ask yourself is what organizations they belong to, what associations they belong to, what networking groups they belong to, what professional groups they belong to, whatever it is. And you ask your clients to refer you to speak on the association stage. And one of my favorite, favorite things to do. And you, you know, they then do an introduction to the association or organization so you can speak on their stage. I have so many of those happen at an event. Every time I do a three-day event, I get about maybe 20 different associations referred by new students coming on board. And I always, you know, those associations that come on board, it's awesome because what happens is once you have a database of clients, then you know, you should know your top 10 markets that you're in. Or, you know, so, so for me, some of my top 10 clients across the board, realtors, mortgage brokers, practitioners like registered massage therapists, chiropractors, what have you. So I look at my database, and then I, I find clients that are in those industries and I ask them to us, refer us to the association. I might ask five of them. And I'll say, ask five chiropractors that are part of Make Your Mark in our program. And I'll say, can you refer us to you know, the chiropractic college for the annual convention? We'd love to speak on their stage, get more chiropractors into the program. And all five of them go, absolutely, would love to do that. So all go and approach their college. Now the college goes, well, Colin Sprague must be someone noteworthy because five of our people have come and asked us. I've asked them to do it for me. And even if they say, no, we're not interested, what have you, then what I do is I shoot, a, I get those five chiropractors in plus a few more. I shoot a video with them in my office and we, we then direct the video directly to that person at the association or at the college. And we then have them endorse me. And then say, I'd love to be on your stage. I'm here with you know five or eight of your chiropractors that are part of your college and part of your membership. I'd love to come out and serve you. And the key thing, when you're looking at associations and you want to work with an association, the only two things associations care about, how do I get new members and how do I keep the members I have? And if you want to speak on association stages, address that problem right up front. So when any association I go to, I always say, how would you like to get more members coming in? It's, oh, I would love that, Colin. Great. How would you also like to keep the members you have by giving them some really good value-based education and training? They're like, well, I'd love to do that. That's exactly what I do for associations. 
And they go, wow, how do we get you involved and what have you? So those are some of the key things. And of course, when I'm at the association, I speak on their stage. I then drive that traffic of those people back to my big three-day event. And that's where people become our clients. So, And I don't sell from association stages. So some of you might be sitting there going, oh, Colin, do you sell? No, I gift them my three-day event. When you make a gift from an association stage or an organization stage, they allow you to give gifts. They won't allow you to sell. Now tell me, what's the difference between a gift and selling? There is no difference. One, a gift has immense value, has a price tag to it, but you give it away. When you sell, something has a price tag, immense value, but you sell it. There's no difference between a gift and selling. I'm fortunate in the sense that I now, when I speak at organizations and associations, I gift away my three-day event. That helps fill my three-day. I know my conversion rates in my three-day event of the amazing hearts that come into our business after that. So I know I used to charge you know, $10,000, $15,000 to speak on stages. I now know my back end so well, and this is for many of you listening, you should know your, your numbers inside out. I know my back end so well that I can take that, instead of taking a $15,000 speaker fee, I know over the next year when those people come into our program from that event, I will probably make between a quarter of a million to half a million dollars from that one event. Wow. So that was going to be my natural question is when you're, I love the strategy of using the own members to get in front of the associations. But when you're doing that pitch, because you know the monetization on the back end, are you doing these organizational association talks for free? 100%. I don't charge any fee. Okay. So I'll, I'll say to them, you know what, can you pay my travel costs, my first class airfare, uh, if I need someone to come with me, because of course I have a team that supports me when I'm on the road as well. If I need one or two people to come with me, they pay for the airfare, they pay for the hotel, but no speaker fee. And it's amazing. Some people are like, what? No speaker fee? Yeah, I just want to give a gift. If, if there's no chance of giving a gift, then I charge a speaker fee. And that has worked wonders for me. Hmm. Well, I can see how that's super appealing to those associations, especially if you're addressing their issues of new members and of keeping members. And if you get more and more associations, you can probably start to cross-pollinate those members of the associations, which actually delivers what they want. Exactly. And the nice part is you go to the association. So I have one student who's in the on-site wastewater management association. He was actually the president for a while. And he said to me, his name's Brent. He said, Colin, I'd love you to come speak at our association. I said, I'd love to do that. So I go speak for his association of these on-site wastewater management association people that all entrepreneurs, ideal clients for us, or contractors. And I, I go speak while I'm there. I said to him, Brent, Brent, surely this is the British Columbia Association. There must be one in Alberta, or there must be one in Ontario. I said, Colin, in fact, Alberta and Ontario presidents are here. Let me introduce you. So I got to speak on the Alberta stage, huh. on the Ontario stage. And then the three of them said, Colin's so good. He should be at our annual convention and speak on the main national stage. So I got to speak on the national stage. While I'm on the national stage, I'm there with the three presidents. And I say to the three presidents of the different um, provinces, guys, surely you must have a sister association that you know. Oh, yes, we do. We have the um, environmental control association. You should speak on that stage. Guess what? They're here. They introduce me. And it just becomes as viral. When you do great work and people get immense value, they will just keep on referring you. And we get more and more associations every single day. In fact, we turn some away because I just don't have the time to do them. And the topics that you're speaking on, is it all business development or empowerment for the members to basically do better work and do more business? Oh, that's a great topic. I know we might be running out of time here, but the key thing is 
Yes, it is. So, so what I do is we have a process when we get an association that says they'd like me to speak that we have a check sheet that we go through. And, one, and on that check sheet, there's one question that says, tell us what your three biggest challenges are of your membership. And we, we write, we find those three biggest challenges. And then I tailor a presentation. It could be business uh, knowledge. It could be personal growth, personal development, what have you. And also depending on the length of the talk, whether it's 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours, I will then tailor my presentation for that association. And that's where I would like many of the speakers out there to listen to us. You know, most people are like, oh, I just want to do my cookie cutter, same keynote address that I've done all the time. I understand that. But I can tell you one thing. When you start to really address things differently and look at what people's pain points are and their challenges in an association or organization, and you address those in front of them, you will have people absolutely enthralled by what you do. And that's what I love. I'm not a big fan of going out and being highly motivational from stage and do a whole motivational presentation leave and people are like, oh, that was interesting. It was, that was very exciting because I know three weeks later, they can't even, won't even remember the presentation, never mind my name. So I'm a big fan of them leaving with tools they can use immediately from any presentation or keynote that I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's speaking to their pain points and you're not just trying to charge money for your you know, one trick pony show. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And it's really true to your core value, which is serving. You're serving those associations for what they need the most. Absolutely. And that's why they love to deal with us. And, you know, for me, it's been a great journey. And just I just cannot stress it enough. And it sounds so cliche as we get towards the end here. But I know if you go out with the intention of serving, being vulnerable, be real with, with all your stories, about what's happening in your life and in your business and what's happened for you in health or fitness or what have you, people will gravitate towards you. And I think a lot of people nowadays, you know, they can see through the BS. They can see through all the nonsense, you know. So for me, it's when you just be real every single day. And my favorite, favorite statement is, you know, well, not statement, but the two things I live life by. Number one, always tell the truth because you never have to remember what you said. Mm-hmm. And number two, you never have to take back the unspoken word. And, you know, once you say something or you do something from stage and like, I wish I hadn't done that, now you have to overcome that. You know, for me is just remember, you never have to take back the unspoken word. And I live my life by those two principles. And that's what makes my life. You know, I live by being, you know, that whole vulnerability and realness part of my life. It's just who I am. I just love doing that. And it's, you know, for me, Ryan, this is the biggest part of who I am and what I've done in my business and how we continue to grow. And, you know, and I can tell you, even as I continue to grow, my biggest challenge, finding people that feel that are the same way as me, that are really, that truly live vulnerability and realness. Yeah. Well, great sum up. And uh, I'm inspired to continue to serve and I'm sure everybody got a ton of value out of this. Real quick before we go, you also have a podcast. Tell us real quickly about that and where to find that podcast because I want to start listening as well. Absolutely. And it's my, and thank you for that opportunity. My podcast is, it's called MYM Your Business for Make Your Mark, MYM Your Business, The Brutal Truth with Colin Sprake. And the podcast, of course, can be found on iTunes, it can be found on Stitcher, and it's gained a lot of traction. I mean, there's some, I bring on some of my own personal mentors who are mentoring me because I believe so much you know, if I'm going to mentor others that I, that I should practice what I preach and have my own personal mentors. So I bring my own personal mentors onto the podcast, as well as I do some solo podcasts on mindset and getting your head into the game, whether you're a speaker, an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what it is. 
I do other ones where I bring on entrep- you know, very successful entrepreneurs who come and tell their story of their biggest challenges in life and where, what they've gone through in life in order to get where they are today. Some really tragic stories. You know, and I have all these people on. You know, I do one podcast a week. Uh, comes out every Wednesday. And just all there to serve people and to serve the global community so they can really understand what it takes to be successful, whether it's in your life, your career, your business, fitness, health, whatever it is, you can, we can all be more successful in some way or form. Well, everybody, exactly what he said. That was a better recap than I could have ever done. Colin, it has been a pleasure. I'm excited to get to know you more. Maybe I'll pop into one of these seminars and definitely we'll see you online and maybe share the stage sometime. Ryan, it's been my privilege and thank you for the opportunity. All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Ryan.